Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. All right, so continuing a little bit from last week, and um, last week we were talking about um, uh, blind Bartimaeus, but really what it was about was identity, 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 and um, so I'm going to pray, just as I've jogged your memory on that. If we run out of books, I'm sorry, I will buy more, I will buy more, sorry. How about we do one per family, make sure that... (laughs) We'll get more. We'll get more of those. I really love to give those out. Okay. So we're going to pray, all right? Everyone's got their books. One more. One more. <laughs> Who's, who still didn't get a book over here? Okay. I oh, will buy more, okay? We, we really want to put that in everyone's hand anyway, so it's, we keep buying them. Let's just pray. Jesus, I just thank you. You're here. You're here already. And, uh, but we just, Holy Spirit, I invite just the increase of your presence here now. Everyone just breathe in, like breathe in, because the Spirit is the breath, right? So you breathe in. Just exhale. Just relax in the Holy Spirit. And as you relax, you expect in your heart for the increase of his presence. You expect. You and ask him, I want to be more sensitive. I want to feel. I want to see. I want to hear, right? And uh, so, Jesus, we just we ask for the increase of the Holy Spirit here now. And I um, uh, know the work that you want to do in our hearts this morning. And we just, I just, we invite you. I just pray for soft and open hearts to receive your word and to quickly let go um, as we just do some ministry time here this morning too. So, God, I pray for open hearts. I pray for willing hearts, obedient hearts. Obedience is really the measure of our faith, and I pray people would connect that, that they'd connect that willingness to be really just quick, willing obedience to your heart and everything. In Jesus' name, amen. So we were talking about blind Bartimaeus last week. If you, if you weren't here, I, this is like kind of following on from it. I'm not going to do a lot of teaching right now. We're going to do a lot of praying instead. And so please go back and listen to the podcast. It's on like Apple Podcasts and um, Spotify. I don't know what other. You can access it a few different ways. But please listen to last week's because it was a message on our identity. And um, um, Blind Bartimaeus, a story that kids learn, right? And then I'm 51. But as a kid, I can just still, sorry, as a 51-year-old, I can usually just remember the kid's story and, 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 and read through a a story like that and not allow the Holy Spirit to drop stuff into my heart. Well, what he dropped into my heart was it's much less about the healing of a blind man on the side of the road. It was about this man who got up, cast off his beggar cloak, which is the identity, the old, rotten, stinking identity to follow Jesus. And he got his sight back, right? Spiritual sight too, not just physical. And that man then went all the way into Jerusalem with Jesus, where Jesus was then, uh, maybe, who knows, but spent a week before he was crucified, right? And so it's about identity. And uh, let the Holy Spirit do that with you in Scripture, right? Don't be on a rush through Scripture. Let, because the Holy Spirit's right there with you as you read, right? And, and he's right there with you because he wants to put it in your heart 
He wants to feed you and he wants to uh, explain it to you and illuminate scripture and make it revelation to you so it goes down deep. Every believer, that's what he's there for us. He's our helper. He's our friend. He's our counselor. He's our capital T. He's our teacher, right? The Holy Spirit. And he just wants to be your absolute best friend. So as you're sitting to pray, talk to him because <laughs> he's right there. Um, okay. Well, Clayton just started mentioning some stuff on um, um, deliverance and enemy and that they have. The enemy does have a measure of power. Um, so we're actually going to talk about that. And it's, as I said, following on from Blind Bartimaeus a little bit. Last week we did talk about, um, I did use the Blind Bartimaeus story to un- ex- help you understand. He was a man who was an Israelite. So he's in kingdom, right? He was already in kingdom. But he had issues and he was sitting down on the side of the road in those issues begging, right? And so the whole idea of that is that many Christians live in that same state today, right? Many Christians still live low, lower than where we're supposed to live, very high because we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. But many, many believers just sit down, incapacitated, unable to get up over or out from under circumstances of life. And that the enemy uses the circumstances of our life to keep us low, to keep us minimized, to push us down, to press us down. One of the words in the Bible for, for anxiety is to be torn apart in the middle and have your gut like whirling around and if anybody here has ever had any kind of issue with anxiety you'll understand it's that tearing apart of the gut the biblical word for it actually means that just this tearing apart a rending of the internal world and so God's aware of all of this right and he wants us to be very free of it and very whole and free to live the way he wants us to live and so the even the even the word to, to be saved to save sozo is means fully healed fully free fully delivered, like fully physically healed, fully inner world healed, flesh, mind, um, soul, emotions, memories from the past. Like so those physical and inner healing. But also, it also means to be fully delivered of demons and the, and, and the torment that they try to send against us as believers. Clayton mentioned the word witchcraft. Um, witchcraft is also, by the way, if I give my words to gossip, I send witchcraft against people. So we'll t- we're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. Um, so when, 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 we are, when we come into knowing Jesus, into salvation, his will for us, the, the, his divine plan then is that we would love, live fully free, fully delivered, fully healed, having nothing against us, no torment against us, and, and nothing inside us that the enemy can attach to, right? So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit, some of, some of the things that he can get attached to, um, and we're going to pray and break them off and close some of the doors so, so in our, actually, I like to say this, the, the, in our internal world, there's like a universe on the inside, right? There's a literal universe on the inside of us because we are, we are, I'm 51, so I have 51 years of memory. <laughs> some good, some bad, not so good, not so bad, right? And, and everything in between. And we all come into this world and experience all kinds of situations in life. And how we navigate each year and each situation and each memory, um, it really can be the thing that can set us up for great victory in Jesus Christ or keep us in a place of victimhood, right? But for the believer in Christ, Jesus is a victor. If we want to follow Jesus, we've got to walk into victory and leave behind the old victimhood, right? You really cannot follow Christ and want 
to remain a victim. Cannot. Because you literally make the blood of Jesus and the cross that he died on null and void. So just say, I am not a victim. Say it again loud. I am not a victim. And I am not saying that bad things have not happened to you. And, and maybe there has been situations where someone has done horrible things. But still the choice remains for, this, for the individual believer to get up and leave the past behind. Let go, forgive, repent if there's necessary, your own involvement. Renounce old attachments and, and really break free of the past, right? So we want to be people who are very, very free. And victim, victims are not free. So we're not going to sit anymore in our stuff, are we? That's what we're going to deal a little bit this morning with. So read, read with me. Open your Bibles up to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Sorry, left hand doesn't work as fast as my right hand. <laughs> Sorry, it's just that elevator music. <laughs> Were you waiting in line music? I'm literally still in the wrong book. Okay, now I'm in. So Hebrews chapter 12 from verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. That's it, just that portion. I'm going to read just the first verse again. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So today... I'm not going to talk very long because we're going to just pray through a lot of stuff because we're going to throw off some of the things that hinder and we're going to deal with some of the things that we've been entangled with, okay? And, and now understand, um, we have an enemy and he hates us. He hates God. He can't fight against God because he's, he's powerless, right? So he tries to fight against us. And the only way he wins is when we believe his lies, right? That's how we get hindered and that's how we get entangled in sin, we believe his lies. That's all right. I wish it was my phone because I don't want that happens, okay? It happens, so don't worry. Like, I don't want people going, my phone just went off at the wrong time. Really, really, my phone would do it, so it's still going, though. That's so, she's literally, I'm so excited. <laughs> Phones, you know what? Laughter's good, so thank you, Jesus. So the enemy hates us. And he can't fight against God, so he fights against us to keep us down like blind Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road, incapacitated, unable to get up and serve God and run in our purposes, right? And so the whole point is when we remove lies, we get unhindered. When we remove lies, we get entangled. The entanglements leave. When we remove lies, demons flee, right? Deliverance, deliverance is really actually very easy when you, when you um, do deliverance with people. It's remove the lie, it's usually lies that are hanging around, not always, but usually it's lies that are hanging around a believer, a believer, 
that has built strongholds that the enemy then can just hide behind like a petitioned personality. Um, the enemy just gets in there and can just sometimes be dormant, just hanging around lies, waiting for opportune time, right? Because he's an opportunist, he's parasitic, and he'll take more and more and more, and he's opportunistic, and he'll use what he can, and he's a deceiver. And so if we remove the lies, we remove the deceit, we close the doors, and we stop giving them permission to mess with our lives, right? This is the whole point. So, okay. So read um, 1 Peter 5, 8. NIV again. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's opportunistic. And Clayton just a moment ago said he just keep he just is going to probe and probe and probe and press and press because he makes a study of us so that he can try and get a, a doorway in or a foothold in, right? The whole point is if we close all those doors, he can't get in. If we, if, we, if we drop lies and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us to remove those lies and stay in the Word of God, because the Word of God really, really discerns very quickly between truth and lies, right? The enemy does not get an, an access, right? Okay, Ephesians 4, verse 27. Ephesians 4, 27. Do not give the devil a foothold. That's from the NIV. The ESV says, give no opportunity to the devil give the devil no place in your life right and this is every single believer's choice i have to choose life every day i have to get up wake up choose life every day throughout my day and it can be and then in every interaction i have with people choose life um and it can be by the way if you're like down the road and it's road raging someone's road raging you choose life anyway right if someone's rude to you in the store choose life anyway you don't have to be rude back Right? It doesn't matter who you're interacting with. It doesn't matter what is going on around about you. You have the responsibility to choose life. All of us. So we're going to grow up into this, right? Calling us all to grow up a little bit in a Christ in this way. Okay, Luke 11, verse 20. And I, this, I love this scripture so much because it uh, puts the enemy um, in perspective um, Luke 11, verse 20, if I, Jesus, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the, then, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So what, is, what, what Jesus is saying is that demons are bug squat, like flick them away with a finger. It's a finger flick. He flicks them away. Bug squat, Right? Uh, I said last week, I don't have it here, uh, Galatians 4.6 says the enemy is weak and miserable forces. They are weak, demons are weak and miserable forces. Their power has been broken, right? They are weak and miserable forces. We only give them permission and give them power because we believe they're deceiving lies, right? It's the only way they have access to our lives, John 14, verse 30. Jesus said this. And the NIV says, The prince, he means Satan, the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. The New King James says, The ruler of this world is coming. He has nothing in, because it's inside. The battle is on the inside, and my thoughts, my will, my emotions, right? That's where the battle, the minefield is, is, is in, in the inside, right? So, 
the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. And um, we can live this way. Jesus actually has empowered us into living this way. The poor Holy Spirit has been poured out into our hearts to empower us by grace to live this way so that we give no access to the enemy, right? Um, the, in the direct, direct from the Greek, it just says, in me, he has nothing. In me, the enemy has nothing. So inside my heart, will, emotions, thinking, memory, the past experiences, he has nothing. The enemy has nothing. And what that means is he can't just, he can't come along and batter. He can't come along and torment because quickly now we can discern. That's the enemy thought. Discern, that's an enemy lie. Look at something on the media and go, that's an enemy lie. I don't have to live by that fear. I don't let that come in and control me. Witchcraft might come. Clayton mentioned earlier, I can spot that straight away. That's witchcraft. I'm not going to be part of that. Right? Quickly and discern. And the more, the practice is sit with the Lord. The practice is get in the word. Let the word really get in you. When the word gets in you, because we know, because Hebrews 4.12 says that it is active, it is alive, it is sharper than any double-edged sword, right? And it divides between joint and marrow, truth, lies, completely discerned, right? And so the more this is in us, it actually comes alive in us in a way that is very, very powerful and causes us to be people who discern very quickly and discern very rightly. Discernment is a gift from the Holy Spirit, but every single believer can have it. And the only reason we don't, James said, is because you don't ask for it, right? And so we ask, ask, like ask every day. I do, I ask every day. And I've got like really great discernment, but I ask every day. I want more of anything and everything that I can of God. Why not? Why not ask for more, Right? Why not be want? Why not want more of the Holy Spirit? Why not want more prophetic words? Why not want more discernment and the ability just to navigate through the mess of the world? Right? He wants to give us this. He's a good father, and he also says, "What good father, when their son asks for a fish, will give their child a stone?" Right? Jesus said, and then he said, "And your heavenly Father is actually so much better than that earthly father. How much more will He give you what you're asking for?" Right? So we don't need to be concerned because this is a really, this is a really, actually very religious spirit thing. People say, "Oh, don't pray too much for the gift. What if the gift of prophecy is really from the demon, from a demon? Or what if the gift of tongues is really from a demon?" If your heart is really searching for the Holy Spirit and really asking for His gifts, that is a good and a righteous and a noble thing to pray for before the Lord. And of course, He's going to give you that and he is God and he's so much more powerful than the enemy so why would we fear gifts right so ask for them like ask for the gifts of the Holy Spirit I I ask him I ask all the time I, I just want more I want to hear his voice and it's not about the exercise of the gifts in front of other people right it's not about that it's about the intimacy that we walk with with him and so you're continually developing that intimacy with him and he just makes those things really available to us Okay. Okay. So we are going to deal with some of the things that hinder and entangle. Um, there is three area, there's three areas in us, there's three areas that the enemy can use circumstances of our life. Um, and it is just because um, we have undealt with, unhealed emotional issues. Um, we have, maybe we carry wounds, recent wounds or wounds from the past, sometimes 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, right? Even when we're a baby. 
And so we can carry, we can carry um, negativity and resentment and sometimes not even know what it is, right? And not what, know what it's linked to from our past. And so wounds and emotional, emotional um, wounding, pain. I mentioned last week the enemy is like flies in this sense. And so those emotional, junky emotions are like trash in a trash heap that flies are attracted to, right? Like, oh, that smells so good. I go over to that person, sit there for a while, right? And so if we deal with this junk in our life, and when I mean junk, like thoughts of rejection, believing that I'm, I'm no good, isolating thoughts, uh, fear thoughts. I mentioned already anxiety, depressive thoughts, just the, um, the wounding that has allowed resentment to come in and bitterness to come in, right? All of these emotions in us, they attract the enemy. They attract demonic torment to a believer's life. A believer is possessed by the Holy Spirit, Jesus if you've given your life to Jesus, he owns you. <laughs> you don't have to worry about being possessed, but you do open doors of access for torment. And this is what we want to close, okay? So the emotional problems, and I already mentioned, already mentioned demons. The third thing is just bad habits of thinking, um, and it's linked to our emotions then, because the bad habits of thinking... I mentioned even last week, if you look at a brick wall, it's like brick upon brick upon brick, negative thought upon negative thought upon negative thought upon um, rehearsing old bad conversations and upon conversation upon conversation. It's just bad track record of every thinking, right? And we can rehearse in our mind all of these wrong things and wrong thoughts about ourselves, and all rejection. Oh my gosh, I was rejected in the fifth grade by that PE teacher and I was really the best one, right? And whatever, whatever the rejection can be anything. Oh, <laughs> Clayton's like, oh, that was me. <laughs> but God wants us to deal with this stuff because you're not rejected by the Father, right? But the old past hurt can be brought in and projected onto who the Father is. And then we think the Father's angry at us or we think the Father rejects us or we think the Father is mad at us for things that he's not at all mad at you. He's not at all ever going to reject you. He loves you. And this is, again, this is connected back then to the lies, if we've believed lies because we've had a school teacher, a parent, maybe a church leader, by the way, wound you. And it's real. Church hurt is real, right? So the wounding can be real. And if there's been this hurt, and sometimes maybe it's layers of hurt because it's been a few times. Like I was, oh, 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 I'll tell you this one. <laughs> um, when I was 26, I was in a church and they're like, yeah, you don't sing very good. Go work in kids. So I did, <laughs> but I still just worship Jesus on my own at home anyway, right? Get to a new church when I'm 30 and I'm on the worship team and I'm worship leading for two years and then suddenly some new worship pastor comes in and goes, um, we don't really like your voice. Can you go work in some other department? Well, that was the second time and by someone I really respected and so I put my guitar down for a while. Ugh. And then I played keyboard a little bit too. I sold my keyboard and then gave away the guitar. So there's no musical instruments in my house for a couple of years. Because I listened. I was like, I'm not really good enough for that. But, but I know you love it, Jesus. I'll keep doing it at home. Right? And then when we planted, God goes, you better, you better get good at that again. <laughs> I was like, oh, dear Jesus. Actually, I'll even tell you how he broke some lies off with this. Because this is helpful maybe. Um, 
I was, um, I literally thought myself and another guy who's not with us anymore, I thought oh, we'd just be the worship people until we got good people. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm not good enough, right? Not, I've been told that so many times. Uh, and so, and I'd make the joke sometimes, um, I'm, just, I'm just here till someone else better gets here. I, I would say that and, and self-depreciating joke, right? But it was actually a really true so I was making a joke about it, which is how we often cover this stuff up really grossly, right? It's not, it's not, it's not gross. God loves you, but I mean to, cu- to cover it up and, and not let God deal with it. Well, one, day, one day, I was worship leading and then sat down and made the joke with one of the other musicians. I went, oh, oh, you know, I'm not really a musician, but, you know, when the other ones get here, I'll do something else. <laughs> and the Lord just goes, right, because it's in the middle of service, right? And the Lord goes, never say that over yourself again because you discount every other person that's standing with you to do it. Because they just picked up instruments to help me themselves. And by the way, thank you, because Norm was one of them, right? Norm, like, literally goes, oh, she needs help. I'm going to learn an instrument. And, and I was already a musician, right? And so, but I'm putting myself down going, I'm going to stop doing this when we get the good people. I was like discounting these other people that really wanted to step up and serve. And the Lord goes, do not ever say that about yourself again. And broke it off me. It was a bit of a slap. Like, <laughs> he does that, right? Because sometimes he's really gentle. Other times it's like a shaking on the inside. Okay, I heard you. I won't do it again. Is that what that hurt? <laughs> um, but um, he wants to deal with this stuff in us that hinders us. That was hindering me, right? It was hindering me. And I let my language do it. So I, what I did, and this is what we've got to learn to do, I went home and I went, Lord, I'm really sorry. And I break because my words then allow witchcraft to come back to me on the back of it, right? I broke the word. I repented. I repented of, you know, the self-doubt and also then, listen, the false humility attached to that right and then I also just sat with the Lord and went okay anytime or anytime I've you know I've said that I just break those words off and I repent and make those words fall to the ground powerless in the name of Jesus it's a 30 second prayer but it, it like if it's real and sincere it's done I don't have to sit in that again but I'll tell you I found myself about three six months ago and I said a really silly joke again and Emily actually helped me catch myself because I was like, because David and, and Emily are really good musicians, right? And other worship leaders here. And I was like, I'm not as good as them. And, and it was Emily who helped me go, don't say that. And I, because these bad habits have a way of just making themselves back into our life and trying to get a doorway, right? And so I had to, again, I went home after that day. And I, again, I just went with the Lord I'm sorry, I won't, you know, help me, really catch it, really catch it. And so we want to break off everything that hinders, which also means we need to have really great self-awareness for the things that we say over ourselves. often, right? That's what self-control, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit, requires us to be self-aware, right? If we're not self-aware, we can't have self-control in the first place. And so the self-awareness is to be aware of my thoughts and be aware of my words. I'm going to read this scripture. And then we'll start doing some prayer ministry. What time is it? It's not in my notes, so I want to make sure I get the right spot. Oh, <laughs> it's like an angel helped me do that. <laughs> um, so Jesus was 
Jesus was being asked, I'm in, I'm in Mark chapter 7. Jesus was being asked, um, why don't your disciples wash their hands before you eat? It was just a, it's just a rule. It wasn't, wasn't Torah. It wasn't biblical rule. It was just a traditional, a traditional rule. And so the Pharisees and the religious teachers and the scholars of the day went and talked to Jesus and said, why don't they wash their hands? Don't you know that you're defiled? And so you put defiled food into you if you don't wash your hands. And Jesus basically said, no, no. It is from, oh, verse 21, chapter 7, verse 21. It is from within a person's heart that evil thoughts come. It is from within the heart that evil thoughts come. And, the, and so my evil thought there was, I'm not good enough. Don't, so let's not, let's not like minimise or throw off what evil is. I was allowing a track record just to play in my head and my heart of an evil thought. I'm not good enough. Right? Or whatever it, whatever it might be for you, because it would be, be lots of different things, right? Um, it is, it is uh, uh, sorry, for it is from within a person's heart that evil thoughts come. Then, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lawlessness, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Now, I, I'm going to just back up. Slander is just gossip, right? Gossip is right up there with sexual immorality. Right? So we've, we've really got to be very careful, don't we? Because it's the sin that entangles. All of these evils come within side, and that's what defiles a person. But we don't need to live defiled because we know that repentance is a key to being free from it all, right? Repentance is the, free, the freedom. And so the minute I just spot a wrong thought, and sometimes it's not my thoughts, the enemy's trying to plant something. Right? Or if I've started to own those thoughts and then allowed them to circulate, then I've really got to repent. So if it's just a thought, you can go, no, I renounce that. But if it's a thought that's become another thought and another thought and another thought and you've allowed it to, you know, you've stewed in it and sat in it, that's time to go, I repent of allowing it real estate in my brain. Right? Heart and thinking. I really want to make sure it's heart and thinking. Um, he, the Hebrews did not connect their, um, their heart from their brain. We do in the West. It's like we just like the brain is over here and the heart is just an organ over there. Well, the Hebrew understanding was those two things are really connected. And actually, by the way, they know now that it's really from, even from our gut is where a lot of our intuition and thinking happens, right? And that's, that's um, yeah, we threw that out in the West. <laughs> but it's actually very true. Like, so our heart is all of our thinking, all of our processing, all of our understanding. It's all of it, Right? All right, so repentance. I'm going to run through eight things quickly and then we're going to pray. The catalyst, the catalyst for freedom is repentance. Um, Acts, 13, Acts 3 verse 19, I think it is. Acts 3 verse 19 says that um, uh, repent, and when you repent, refreshing times from the Lord come, right? Is the, the, the Lord never leaves you. But if you have stuff that you've got to repent from in your heart and you're holding back, you actually move yourself away and, and impede his, his, his wanting to love you, his wanting to be with you. He does not leave you. It's you leave him, right? That's why there's so many scriptures that say, be careful, don't harden your heart. 
Because it's the hardening that I pull my heart away from the Lord. And he wants to be so close every single day. So two is forgiveness. Uh, Matthew 6.14. Actually, it's part of the, um, the apostolic prayer, the prayer model, right? It's um, our Father who art in heaven. I'm going to do the Catholic version because what I learned first. <laughs> our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread as we forgive those. Oh, forgive us. This is the thing. Forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us as we forgive others. Forgive us as we forgive others. Matthew 16, sorry, Matthew 6, chapter 6, verse 14. Jesus goes on to say, If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive them. 15, verse 15. Listen. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive yours. That's tough, the American church, right? God is a God of love. wants me to feel good. Yeah, and he wants you to grow up and forgive people, no matter how hard it is. That's hard for people. I get it. So we don't invalidate people's pain and we don't invalidate the woundings that have happened at the hands of other people. We never do that, but we still do call people into a place of healing and wholeness and freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ and it's accessed when they forgive the abuser. Because while I hold someone on a hook of unforgiveness, it's actually myself that's on that hook or a jail. I haven't put the other person in any kind of jail. I put myself in the jail. And unforgiveness is a bit of poison that just goes deep down into the heart of a person. And if let their, let stay there fester for years and years and years, it just it doesn't go away. It just is there to fester and affect so many other areas of life, including other relationships and other situations and other conversations. And maybe the person's name will come up and you'll go, still feel the sting of something, right? And God, is, Jesus, if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's a very tough Bible verse, but it's right there, so we can't ignore it. A third thing is renouncing. So some things, some things um, it wasn't done by the hand of someone else. Some things that you've done, um, and you then, like I said, I had to break my the power of my own words over me. I had to renounce those words. I had to say, Father, I'm sorry and I repent for self-depreciating comments about my ability to sing or play guitar. I repent from that and I renounce those words and I ask you to break them all down, right? And so that's the renouncing part. And sometimes you, in a little bit, we're going to renounce some um, um, generational stuff through families, okay, as well. Four is just come into alignment with truth. Again, I've already said it, so I won't b- belabor that so much, but come into alignment with truth. You have to, the natural state of the believer is to love the word of God and want more of this than you do physical food. That's the natural state of the believer. If we don't, if this is pushed off and left unread, um, or, 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 or it's boring, or it's hard for you to read it, that's an indication you have some hindrance and some entanglements, right? It's a clear, clear statement of there's some hindrance and some entanglements. You don't have to live with those hindrances and those entanglements. You can deal with those and really come into that place of the natural state of a believer, very free. The natural state of the believer is the one that is fully free in the Lord, fully healed in the Lord, fully ready to receive the Word of God and read the Word of God and be then ready to be used by God at any moment. 
because he just wants us so free in these places so he can use us so effectively. Um, we're going to do some generational, in, in just a moment, we're going to pray all together and do this. Some of you may have already done it, but we're going to do it for everybody in the room who hasn't. We'll all do it together. But it is to break demonic assignments that come through family lines. So, so Jesus said this, right? I can't remember where. Um, someone can help me maybe. He said, um, he's talking about letting the little children come to him. And he said, don't you know that their angels are always before the face of the Lord, but always also with the child? But who knows, we are the child. You have angels, right? You have angels who are assigned to you the day you got born. They're ready. They're waiting for you to be born because God has assigned them to help bring you into your destiny. That's a true statement. Jesus said that. But here is also what happens. The enemy assigned demons to your family and to you to wreck that assignment. And they come through the family line and they follow families and they understand, oh, we know what's in the past of this family. So you've heard of... Um, uh, uh, they talk about heredity diseases and they talk about alcoholism and heredity of all of that stuff. It's not. It's demonic. That follows the family lines and there's a thing called gene switching. The, the devils, they know what to push, what buttons to push in us, right? We're going to pray and break that stuff off. Okay. I'm going to read um, in Exodus verse 20. And so you understand and have some context for this. Um, um, the second, it's the second, it's the second, uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, commandment. <laughs> I should not remember, not forget that word. The second commandment is um, Exodus 20 verse 4. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in waters below. Verse 5. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations for those who keep my commands and love me. So here's the thing is, if you have in your background, in your past, if there's like people that have been involved with witchcraft, uh, like overt witchcraft, like paganism and, and maybe masonry, um, any kind of occult witchcraft very generally in your past, from three or four generations out, that stuff can still affect a believer today. We're going to pray and break that off in just a moment, Okay. Um, who's heard of soul ties? Yeah, so, so there's a few different ways, soul ties. The biggest one is the sexual soul tie. But there's other soul ties, like you really had a, le a leader that you really loved, a, 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 a spiritual church leader, and, and you really submitted to them in a way that wasn't actually biblical but religiously, traditionally taught to you you should do. You give away your authority to them and then they hurt you. Sometimes unforgiveness is linked to that leader because it was a, is an unhealthy soul tie. And so I'm going to read this scripture and explain to you the marriage one that was actually sexual from sexual um, soul tie. We're going to pray and break those off in just a minute too. Uh, Mark 10, verse 5. Verse, start at verse 5. So Jesus is talking again here now. He's got... <laughs> Religious, relig the religious scholars and the Pharisees just went after him for everything, right? And really what it was is their hard-heartedness. They didn't want to accept he was a man who had more authority than they did. So they just questioned him all the time because in the day, if you could question a person they couldn't answer, there's a shame, honour, culture thing. The person who couldn't answer rightly would literally walk away from the crowd with a butt, you know, tail between their legs, right? And so Jesus would always out-answer out them and out-question them. And this is what he said... Um, 
they, asked, they were asking him about marriage and, and it became about the sexual relationship that is set up in the soul tie between a man and a woman only in marriage. Verse 5, 10, verse 5. It was because your heart, speaking about divorce, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote the law allowing a person to divorce, right? Verse 6, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female only. Verse 7, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. That's the soul tie. And when it's done right, it's beautiful. Like God designed us for this. And so with his health in it and there's great beauty and it's the most amazing relationship you'll have here on earth that is supposed to teach you about intimacy and union that we have with the Father, right? It's beautiful. But then when, um, verse 8, the two will become one flesh, so they're no longer two but one flesh, verse 9. Therefore, what God has joined, let no one separate. And the words there where it talks about being joined and being separated, it actually from the Greek, it talks about being glued together. And I love this example because I think this is a great visual for a soul tie. Uh, if anybody's done any kind of woodworking in the past and you get two pieces of wood and you want them to stick together really hard, you'll put glue in the middle and nails. <laughs> Who knows that? Like it'll be glued hard with nails as well. And so it's really stuck good, stuck hard. And so that piece of wood is hardened as if it's just one, and it's got the strength of like one solid piece of wood now. That's like the one flesh relationship. Now, if you, and no shame here, right? There's no shame because everything's under the blood about where I'm about to start talking about. But if you have had previous sexual partners and then you go from partner to partner, you split up from that one partner, you split apart that piece of wood. Now, who knows if you, if you wrench that apart, there's going to be splinters on one piece of wood belonging to that other piece and splinters on this piece belonging over here. You understand that? Because the glue has been there for years and it's been tight, right? That's like the one flesh relationship. So if you have sex with a person who's not your husband or wife and you break up from that person, because before God, if you have sex with a person, you're married. You're one flesh. You've created a one flesh bond. So when you break apart from that person, you wonder why you have issues of emotional pain or you wonder why suddenly there's an anxiety situation set up in your life. It's because you're walking around with pieces of the other person in you and they're walking around with pieces of you in them. You've lost pieces of you, part of your identity. You've given it over. They've taken it and you've got pieces of them. That opens doors. If they've got demons, it opens doors to demons in you. That's the power of a sexual soul tie. We're going to break those. We're going to pray and we're going to give people privacy because I don't, I don't need to know your past. God knows it all. You just need to be willing to surrender it, right, and get free and whole when you surrender and the prayer is simple and it breaks it quickly, okay? That's a soul tie. Okay. Seven is just stop willful sinning. To close doors to demons is just to stop willful sinning and I just have eight I've already said this a few times um, be willing just to grow up before the Lord be willing just to live really responsibly for my heart ask for self-awareness help me be self-aware of my thinking help me be self-aware and track my thoughts why do I have that emotion trace back why you just had a really funny emotion don't let it just hang around you all day stinky junky emotions go why did I think or feel that 
and allow the Holy Spirit to process you back to the origin of why you had a thought or a feeling. And he'll do it and he'll teach you to do it quicker and quicker and he'll teach you to do it so that immediately you go, no, I recognize that as a lie from the enemy. Yeah. You can push it off, yeah. right? Okay, now we're going to pray. So what we'll do is, I'm going to ask everyone to their feet because it, maybe it's good to just shake Just remember this, is that God is really gentle. He's a good, loving, really gentle father. He's so gentle with us. And he only does in us what we allow. He will not force. He's not forceful. We have free will. So he's, really, he's looking in us to freely surrender. All right? And so if you, put your, if you choose right now, like put your heart in that place of softness and surrender to the Lord and just go, I do want to be healed. I don't want wrong thinking. I don't want anxiety. I don't want fear thoughts. I don't want depression. I don't want my past or even my parents and their parents and their parents' past to affect me, right? And so posture your heart in that right now. I said that um, I was speaking about the generational curses. I'm going to read Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is faithful. He keeps his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love and keep his commandments. Let's repeat from the Exodus verse, right? But what we're going to do right now is break off any kind of generational stuff from everybody in the room here. Whether you've done this before or not, give your voice to it because you're just really going to help the person next to you who's maybe not done this before. Um, we're going to do this. So repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I cut off every curse that has come to me from my parents' line. I ask for the blood of Jesus to stand like a wall between me and my parents to protect me. And in Jesus' name, this is the good part, I call everything, every blessing for the thousand years into my life. That's really easy, right? That's how easy some of these prayers are. But I'm just going to do it now for the other generations. So Jesus, as people have just done that here right now, I pray for not just their parents. I pray for their parents' parents, their parents' parents' parents, and, and that fourth, fifth generation out. And with God, we just break off every single assignment that has ever come against them because something an ancestor has done in the past, been involved with any kind of idolatry or witchcraft or any kind of sin. We break that off in Jesus' mighty name. And we remove every assignment sent against people through the familiar spirits that trace families in Jesus' mighty name. And God, we call forth into people's lives the blessing, your blessing, your rich blessing for a thousand generations because you have in mind the increase and the blessing and the wealth, a great, great increase of the, of the generations. And so, God, I pray we would start to see those things manifest in people's lives here. The, the blessing of a thousand generations. You love family, God. It's your idea. And help us be people who start to really realize this. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So that's just called breaking off generational curses. It's not a formula it's just break, I break every word or everything done in my previous generations. One, two, three, four, you can say five, you don't have to. One, two, three, four generations out. 
Just break it off. In the, what is important is in the name of Jesus, right? This is the one I want to give people a little bit of privacy over. Um, and if people have got issues with this, so sexual soul ties, um, you can yourself repeat these and, and take person by person, right? We're going to do a very, very general prayer to break soul ties, sexual soul ties. But if you're a person who's had multiple partners, and, and by the way, in this room, lots would, so please do not feel isolated, okay? Um, but, but do this. You can do this with the Lord on your own and bring every one of those people to your memory and say, okay, I cut this person off now. I cut this person off now. I cut this person off. And by the way, I don't care if it's been a thousand. It works. Jesus is alive and he overcomes and we overcome because he overcomes, right? And so it doesn't matter how many. It just matters that you're now reaching into Jesus and asking him to remove that Remove the past, break off the sexual uh, soul ties so you can be free. There's no shame in Jesus Christ. Shame is a tool of the enemy and many religious spirits would push shame on this area into people's hearts and so they don't get the help they need. God does not operate through shame. He never uses it against us. He only ever says, come to me, come to me, come to me because I want to make you free and I want to heal you. So remember that, right? If you've got to sit and do this, and by the way, we can sit, a guy, you can have a guy do it with you, another guy if, or, or a girl. Don't do girl-boy together. Do guy-to-guy, girl-to-girl ministry with this if you want to, all right, just for some more accountability. So close your eyes. Just really give people um, some permission here for some privacy. When I, at one point, when you're going to repeat the prayer after me. At one point, you're just going to put a, the person's name, if there's been one or two or three, you know, think of those people. And it's going to be, it's an, an immediate breaking, okay? So don't be thinking, we've got to belabor this prayer. I've got to spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes, three weeks, three months, right? It's an immediate, in the name of Jesus, breaking. Okay, say, so in the name of Jesus... I break all sexual, spiritual soul ties. And just if you've got names, just give up those names right now. I'm going to keep praying. Keep repeating after me now, okay? Say this. I send back to that person... Anything that came to me from that relationship. And I take back my identity. And I reclaim everything lost through that relationship. Thank you, God, that you heal me. Thank you that you make me whole. Thank you that you return sexual purity to me. Amen. Amen. Um, well, you don't have to. You just give it to God. You just surrender it. You, maybe it's a face and you just surrender. Maybe it's not even a face because maybe, maybe it was like a ten- teenager, right? So you just go, well, that person. Because he knows. Holy Spirit knows it all, right? But the, the idea is that you just surrender the person and you, you send back to them what's in them, what's in you from them, and you take back what's yours. I like to... I like to explain the fragmentation of the human personality like this. Um, if you're to look at yourself in a mirror as clean, as flat as a mirror, 
you can, you're very clear reflection of yourself in a mirror, right? But the minute you, like, hit it and crack it, now it's a fragmented mirror and there's, it's like the image has changed. And if there's just been lots and lots and lots of hits, now it's a very fractured, fragmented mirror. And now you're looking at yourself, but you can see all different pieces of yourself. Well, that's an example of the petitioned human personality through brokenness and through sexual ties and other unforgiveness areas, right? Does that make sense? And so Jesus is the one coming along and mending that so that you now have that one, you're just looking at yourself through one completely clean piece of mirror and you, you, there's just one of you now and not like 50 because the glass is like not being shattered anymore. Does that make sense? And so God heals. God really heals us of this stuff. Can we just clap and just thank him? Thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for healing God. Thank you for healing God. Thank you for healing us, Jesus. Thank you for healing us, God. You're good, God. You're good, God. You're good, God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for what you've done for us, God. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for what you accomplished for us. Yeah, amen, 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 <laughs> amen. <laughs> um, yeah. You don't, you don't need a person doing that for you like I've just done. You can do that on your own. It helps to have a person because sometimes the accountability uh, just sheds more light onto a thing and when you shed light onto a thing, suddenly it's powerless and that's the whole point, right? Jesus is light <laughs> and, and, and darkness cannot win against him. And so when there's truthfulness, because Jesus is truth, so when this truthfulness comes, light comes and shines his light into everything in our life. And the enemy seriously loses his power over anything that he ever had over us, right? And so let's just be people who do that. So I'm going to bless you then. Before I was like amening a moment ago, but I actually really will bless you. And... Um, I just bless these people, Father. I actually, yeah, I just saw him just go. I just want to embrace them. So just give him a minute. He just wants you to, he wants to embrace you. I just pray, God, that people would feel that embrace right now. Like literally like getting a hug from heaven. Healing, healing hug. Warm, loving, tender, compassionate embrace. Thank you, Father. God, I pray in that place of your warm embrace, we'd learn to rest. Really just rest in you. The rest of the Lord, the peace of the Lord and the rest of the Lord is what we get in that embrace, right? So we don't want to be in a hurry to move out from his presence because his rest and his embrace heals us, right? And so, so Jesus, just blow across these people right now. Blow, move across these people right now. Heal, bring the peace of the kingdom of God in our hearts. Yeah. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 